prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. My name is Xander, and with me today is seemingly nobody, which is odd because Craig said it was his birthday episode and he would definitely be here. I'm not entirely sure where he is. Craig? <laughs> I am Craig of UK. Emperor of Darkness! Okay, this is kind of a weird way to do a birthday episode, but if this is how you want to jump in, I take it you've got something you want to talk about. Silence! We'll be discussing Xenogears. You know why? Why is that? Because I am the Emperor of Darkness! Fair enough. That's right, Xander. As a part of my birthday extravaganza, uh, these last two episodes of September uh, are two of my favorite video games ever, and today we're covering Xenogears, released on the PlayStation on October 20th, 1998 by Squaresoft. This JRPG has you control the amnesiac Fei Fong Wang, who deals with the tragedy of losing his loved ones during a war that involves gigantic robot suits called Gears. And this is a fairly deep psychological game as I'm well. Not... As, I mean, it's got some psychological things in it, right? Sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the full works disclosure, of... I've never played this game. I played the intro and that's about it. What I understand is that there's some psychological things. There are some religious things, uh-huh. and there are giant robots. Yeah. Two out of three of those, scream Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the, the, the works of uh, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, uh, all kind of play into this. And I'm not going to, you know, go so far to say that this is like the deepest game ever or anything like that. I'm not going to, you know, get all pretentious about it, but... I'll certainly say that it is quite a bit more cerebral than other RPGs of its time, for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially for games where you just fight things in giant robot suits. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, uh, uh, during uh, my my kind of like you know infatuation with the uh, the releases of Square at the time when this came out, uh. Christmas of 1998, I had had it then. Uh, So I had it a few months after it came out. And, you know, by that time, I was already, you know, more into the Final Fantasies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, so this is like Final Fantasy with giant robots, right? And uh, honestly, I think it's better than pretty much most Final Fantasies. I I dare say it's better than Final Fantasy 7, 8. I think even 9. Better than 9? I think it's a, wow. a better game than Final Fantasy IX. I, don't be wrong. I love Final Fantasy IX. I think it's a mm-hmm. marvelous game. Uh, one of the best Final Fantasies in my book. But I do think that this is a, a better video game. Fair enough. Um, I played, like I said, I think the intro. Um, and I always heard you talk about it. And there are certain characters that you love, the music you love. Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of just known that it was a great game. I've just never put the time into playing it all the way through. It's quite a long game. I don't blame you. It's it's quite long, and it gets real weird. And, uh, yeah, it gets real weird. Yeah, so um, in my prep for this episode, I did tell Craig, like, hey, dude, you're going to run the show on this one. Um, I know it's a game you really want to do, and I know it's your birthday, so let's, let's do it. Um, but I don't know anything about it, so it's basically going to be me asking a lot of questions. But I didn't want to be a total slouch, so I did a little bit of research. Um, I kind of looked up a couple things which we'll discuss and then I even uh, tried to find a YouTube video explaining the story. I was like well if the very least if I can know the basics of the story I can get a feel for the characters that I that I think are are the most interesting and ask more questions about them. So I found this video on the interwebs it was about oh 40 minutes long 
and I skipped the, the YouTube speed up to like time and a half. So I, and that, that's how I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I've gotten used to hearing people talk fast and keeping up with it. This video explained the story of Xenogears, but not in the way I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 40 minutes is just scraping the surface of this game. They, uh, yeah, and they, they went deep. They, they explained the backgrounds of the main characters, how, the, uh, how there's like Faye and then Ellie, but then also like a split version of Ellie that's uh, somebody else, sort of maybe. Um, and like two beings that are like God almost or not, who knows? Uh, yeah, it's it was really hard to follow, and they didn't actually touch on the events of the game so much as the backstory and like the main plot of the game. They didn't bother talking about any other party members. Get them out of here. They just gave me the really tricky stuff. So I'm I'm at a loss here, aside from the fact that I know that uh, Faye and Ellie are kind of like Zelda and Link in the sense that they are doomed to just perpetually be themselves over and over again until things go right eventually, maybe. Yeah, I mean, basically. Uh, so, uh, and that's, you know, uh, one of the, the kind of the deeper plot points that actually doesn't come in until quite a bit late in the game. So I wasted 40, well, 30 minutes of my time for sure. Yeah, basically. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> So I tell you what, Xander. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the the basics, the origin of this game. Yes. So it was originally a proposal for Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. uh, it was given its own project, uh, which went from being like a Chrono Trigger sequel to its own original game because it was way too dark. Uh, so the creators Tetsuya Takahashi and his wife Kaori Tanaka uh, went on after this to form Monolith Soft and created the Xenosaga games mm -hmm. and the Xenoblade games. So these are all games that are kind of sort of linked together in a sense, very mm -hmm. vaguely, uh, because what you find out playing Xenogears, it's like the fifth episode. It's kind of has the Star Wars thing where it's mm -hmm. like, hey, here's the first episode. And you're like, wow, episode one. And then Lucas goes, yeah, I guess, you know. <laughs> right. And there's just so much more to it and everything like that. So uh, back then, I remember being really excited uh, about like a sequel to Xenogears. And then when we got a sequel, pseudo sequel, spiritual sequel in the form of Xenosaga, it was kind of dull. I wasn't a big fan of the gameplay of Xenosaga because the gameplay in Xenogears is super unique. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, so you have two forms of uh, battle when you're on the ground and then, of course, in giant robots, the gears. Uh, if you're on the ground, it's like a combo system. So when you get into battle, you, you know, early in the game, you only have a certain amount of points, but uh, as you level up, you gain more points for like your combo meter and uh, essentially like triangle is a light hit, square is a medium hit, X is a heavy hit. And it's your combination of doing these uh, will eventually unlock certain combos. And so like, you know, I think one of the first ones is like triangle, triangle X or, or no triangle, triangle square. Mm-hmm. And if you do that enough times, you unlock a technique that does like way more damage than doing the attacks on your own. And what gets crazier is the fact that you actually have a, a legitimate combo meter where if you do an attack, like let's say you have like six points to be able to attack and you just do triangle, which is one point, square mm -hmm. is two, X is three, you've saved five points during your attack because that's all you did. And right. it banks those points up. So later in the game, when you have like half a dozen to a dozen of these combos, you can go ahead and build up your meter, have like 28 points, and each one of your combos is like five, six, seven, you know, four points, however many. And you can just string together thousands of damage at the enemies. And it's so much fun. That sounds pretty awesome. It sounds also it's a little bit similar to uh, like uh, a game you played on stream a while ago, Legend of Ligaya. 
It is. Honestly, one of the reasons I was kind of frustrated with Legend of Lagaya is because it was so slow and clunky compared to the Xenogear system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, don't be me wrong, Legend of Lagaya is kind of a fun game, but I don't think it holds a torch to Xenogears or its combat system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the really weird thing is that your level doesn't really matter so much. It's more about learning these combos because when you get into a giant robot, the giant robots don't have levels. They're all mm-hmm. based on equipment because they're giant robot. Right. So the way you are, are better with the giant robot fights isn't, I mean, it is definitely a lot of uh, equipment-based stuff. But the other aspect is your death blows, these combos. Because the more you unlock, the more you can use them in your own giant robot to do crazy techniques and so you can go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, build up combo points in the robot and do similar things where they're a little bit more simplified, but they allow you to, to do these crazy maneuvers in the giant robots. And to top it off, there's like a really interesting fuel system where mm-hmm. like every round you're using up fuel. And if you run out of fuel, you can't do anything. So you have to know when to like use boosts that like speed you up, but use more fuel know when to like defend and like gain more fuel back and like yeah so it's it's a really really two interesting combat systems for one video game and let's face it that's kind of impressive when a lot of rpgs out there barely have the one interesting uh, combat system so is fuel is that something you said you said a little bit about defending and recovering are there items and whatnot that will refill your fuel or is it kind of like once you're out of fuel you're kind of dead in the water kind of thing you have a, a, a defend move called charge in battle that will give you some minor amount of fuel back. Uh, so like, you know, essentially what you end up having to do is knowing when enemies will use their big attacks, defend during those so that you can get some fuel back so that when you go to start attacking again, you, you know, you're not running too low on fuel because eventually you start getting items you can equip that will like heal your giant robot, like get your health back but they use fuel. And so it's this, yeah. So it's this like, you know, balancing act between knowing when to waste a bunch of fuel to do big damage and to hold back and, you know, not waste so much. How often are you in the giant robots? Fairly often. Uh, I mean, you know, there's definitely times when you're sneaking through castles or going through forests and, you know, you're, you're not in the giant robot then. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, I would say that there is a, a healthy mix of both uh, combat systems. All right. You know, a um, lot of big battles tend to be with giant robots. Yeah. Do your Does your fuel re, uh, regenerate after every battle? Nope. You have to go to uh, uh, a shop and, and buy fuel. Oh, jeez. Sounds like a lot to keep track of. There is. There's, I, I wouldn't say it's a, an ultra-complicated battle. Uh, battle system or systems for this game mm-hmm. uh but it's certainly a lot more complicated than a lot of other rpgs especially for its time gotcha so uh, what's uh what's yeah. sort of the the main story of the game what are we looking at so the main story is that fei fong wong no fei, relation to fin feng foom right none uh you would think but no he doesn't uh, turn into a dragon later no that's breath of fire okay so, so Breath of Fire, Marvel Comics, and Xenoblade or Xenogears are all kind of one universe, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, essentially. All if right. you go by uh, Doctor Strange's uh, uh, logic, then I think the Breath of Fire world is just another Marvel dimension. All right, interesting. Mm-hmm. I believe so. <laughs> uh, so Fei Fong Foom. Yes. So the big dragon. I. Uh, he gets dropped off at this village when he's uh, a young man and uh, he has no memories. So this weird masked man dropped him off who looked injured. Faye was really injured. And like this village was like, uh, do you going to give us any explanation? And the masked man's like, no, no, I'm not. And he takes off. Uh, and so it, it's going to feel like a, a bit of a spoiler, but this is a pretty early plot moment. Uh, early in the game, Faye is dealing with the fact that his two best friends are getting married in the village. 
Uh, there's a little bit of tension when you start to realize that maybe the, the, the wife-to-be might also have a thing for him. And so you start thinking like, oh man, there's all this like drama. What's going to happen with these characters? When Faye goes to visit Dr. Satan, uh, who's nearby, who's this kind of eccentric guy who like collects gadgets and knows a lot about ancient technology, but just sort of keeps to himself. Uh, when he goes to visit him to get like camera equipment for this wedding, in the evening, late at night, giant robots fall into the village. And so Faye rushes back and, you know, the village is being destroyed. He doesn't know what to do. When suddenly the giant robot opens, he thinks for a brief moment that he sees a child inside, like, smirk at him and double takes when there's no kid in it. And it's just empty. And he realizes, I can pilot this. I can get rid of all these people and save my village. Mm-hmm. Uh... That's when a strange, mysterious gear uh, arrives, uh, who has very, if you had to call this robot something, you'd feel like it's some kind of emperor of darkness or something like that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and, uh, and so basically after that, uh, his robot phase, the one he's in, goes haywire and explodes and annihilates most of the villagers, including his two best friends. Ooh, ouch. Faye spends the rest of, well, not the rest of the game, but a good chunk of the beginning of the game not wanting to get it back in that robot. He hates it. He despises what it did. He hates himself for what happened. He blames himself. He feels all this guilt. And so moving on through the game, he meets Ellie, who turns out to be one of the pilots from one of the opposing sides that were in his village fighting out this war and becomes connected with her. And it becomes this strange, weird adventure where Faye is trying to kind of find his way, help people, make sure this stuff doesn't happen to anyone else, uh, but also deal with his own kind of inner demons. Mm -hmm. uh, and I won't really reveal too much more than that. The, uh, there is a lot of like religious symbolism to the game. Uh, and stuff, and that kind of leads me to uh, one of the the kind of the interesting things here. So, Xander, yes, does this all ring a bell? Like, this is obviously not a game you've played through, but does it remind you of anything? I mean, this is now the second game in a row where the protagonist has amnesia of some sort. Uh, the running theme the for a lot of your characters and anything else that we play. <laughs> D&D and stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about the amnesia. <laughs> uh, robot, robots, cerebral adventure, uh, religious overtones. Does it make you think of anything? Evangelion. It's funny you mentioned that, Sander. <laughs> so, I mean, it was completely organic. Like, I just said it by myself. <laughs> Nothing led me to it. So this game came out a few years after the original airing of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are way too many parallels to ignore. So you want to know the, 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 probably the, the deepest thing that comes with, uh, to Evangelion with this? I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Xander, do you know how the last few episodes of Evangelion are rumored to have lost their budget and so they became really low budget and like had a lot of still images and it was a lot of just like kind of just like spouting off lines and explaining not a lot of plot stuff necessarily so much as sort of like the emotions behind how everyone was feeling? Vaguely. It's been a long time since I've watched the second half of Evangelion. Okay. And when I did watch it, I was in high school um, and there was just a lot of other things going on at the time. <laughs> so, That's, I, yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. High school was rough for everybody. Um, I, the second disc of Xenogears, Xander, mm -hmm. is almost the exact same. They apparently ran out of money, and basically it's either Faye or Ellie explaining what happens, and then they go to that, like, dungeon or whatever, and then they have an event at that dungeon, oh, and wow. then it kind of cuts back to them sitting, like, in a chair or under a spotlight, basically, in the kind of the same way Evangelion did it. Hmm. Also, 
uh, another uh, kind of interesting thing here is, uh, uh, you know, just the anime influence over the fact that, you know, the, a lot of the cutscenes in Xenogears are uh, anime cutscenes. You know, it's like a lot of anime going on. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's especially interesting about that? I do. The company that did the uh, uh, anime cutscenes for Xenogears, just a little company called uh, Production IG, who had worked on the Evangelion movies that aired the <laughs> year before. Neat. This is, game is so inspired by Evangelion, it's ridiculous. Like, there's no way that it was a coincidence. And you, you played this before watching Ava, right? I did, yeah. When I was watching Evangelion, I was like, man, this is a lot like Xenogears. <laughs> so, I uh, originally, uh, Xander, uh, and you may have seen this in the brief uh, uh, stuff you've seen so far, or at least could infer it, uh, Square originally didn't think that this was going to come to America because of all the religious overtones. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game is kind of like the flagship jrpg cliche of this is a quest to kill god right yeah this is just like like the poster child of that weird subset of jrpgs which became really popular in the like uh uh, mid to late 90s i but i also uh another thing to uh bring up before i uh see if you have any questions since i've been babbling for a bit i this game has probably my most hated villain of any villain in any series i utterly hate no 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 i (laughs) i groff emperor of darkness is a cool villain i really enjoy excuse me groff emperor of darkness Uh, i really enjoy him as a character uh there is another villain in this game who i hate his name is krellian and he's kind of Krellian, yeah. He's like the main, kind of the main villain of the game. There's quite a few villains, of course. Uh, but God, do I hate him. All right. I just hate his guts. And I, I won't reveal too much so we can keep this fairly spoiler free. Uh, because I do recommend people play this game. It's, it's tough to get a hold of these days, you know. Essentially, the original copy or PlayStation Network for what, the PS3 and the PSP Vita. Mm-hmm. I think that's about the only ways to legitimately play it these days. I don't think it's on mobile. Yeah, it's probably a, a weird situation with like Monolith having some, like the the creator having some rights, and Square Enix also having a fair amount of rights. Yeah, that probably is the case. I uh... and we've seen how Square treats things where it's like, oh, we've we've kind of got rights too. You can't do anything with it. Yeah. We're not going to do anything with it either, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. It is interesting, though. They, uh, they do put out, like, merchandise for it every so often. Hmm. Uh, last year? Maybe the year before. Uh, they came out with a, a Xenogears album for, like, their anniversary or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the 20th anniversary, so I think it might have been 2018 to celebrate that, but I think it came out in 2019 if i'm not mistaken gotcha uh, but uh yeah they they had a uh like a a fancy art book and uh an album came out uh which you better believe i totally own <laughs> i do believe it so let me ask you about uh again so the the story synopsis that i heard focused mainly on Faye and ellie what other teammates do you get throughout the game and which are the most likable? I know like Satan, you mentioned he's a, he's yep. a playable character, right? Yeah. He is a playable character. The good, uh, the good doctor. And then a, a space pirate Bart. Oh, uh, he's not a space pirate. Well, I mean, he's in a giant robot. I guess that's pretty close to a space pirate. He's, he's a pirate of some sort. Yeah. Bart uh, is a pirate. He's really likable. He's kind of uh He's kind of the cliche action anime star you would expect. He's, he's mm-hmm. you know, he has definitely some, a little bit of inner turmoil because of his, like, you know, destiny being, uh, 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 you know, involved in this war and everything. But, uh, yeah, he's really likable. He's brash. He likes to fight. 
uh, you know, whereas Faye is more of that Evangelion protagonist who's very reluctant, angsty. You can kind of imagine why he feels that way. Bart is kind of like, hey, want to fight? So he's kind of like uh, Kyle from Lunar. Fairly similar. Yeah, fairly similar. He's uh, uh, a, a very likable character. Are there, and I ask this only because it's a late 90s anime-esque kind of game. Is there like a big dumb animal type fighter? It's funny you mention that. There's Choo Choo. Okay. Choo Choo is this adorable little pink animal that you originally think is a stuffed animal, and then it gets a crush on Faye because he's cute. But it can grow to tremendous size and fights <laughs> other giant robots. Without a robot itself? No, it's its own thing. <laughs> Search Choo Choo on the internet. Everybody right who's now. listening right now, it is the most disgustingly adorable thing in the, uh, in the world. Most fans of Xenogears hate Choo Choo. And kind of understandably so. It's kind of dumb. But I sort of love how ridiculous it is. Okay. Uh, it looks a little bit like Posh from uh, Chrono Cross. The weird pink dog character uh, that yeah, you get. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. And so it, it, when it grows into its monster form, is it, just, is it still that cute, but just it's like just gigantic? That, it's that adorable thing, but big. Wow. Choo gets thick. Okay. <laughs> I love being able to, to see your reaction as you, as you look <laughs> online at this. I kept hoping for like the giant, like scary monstrous form of it, but no, it's just this horrifyingly cute thing the entire time. <laughs> It reminds me of, uh, from Invader Zim, Mecha PP, the I hamster. Mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It took me a minute to recall that. Ah, yeah, deep cut, sorry. Uh, so, do you want to know the other characters, though? Yeah, who else we got? Uh, let's see. There's uh, Rico, who's uh, uh, a demi-human, a mutant. Uh, I see this, he, uh, the Ganondorf-looking guy I see now. Yeah, he looks a lot like Ganondorf. He, he's sort of like a cross between Ganondorf and uh, Blanca from Street Fighter. I was going to say, yeah, either Blanca or I was also going to say um, from Final Fantasy IX, uh, Amaranth. A little bit of that, yeah. Uh, it, it feels like a, kind of a, an amalgamation of those types of characters. He's uh, 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 kind of a big bully character. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, he's kind of he's like a bully with a heart of gold sort so of. So that's that's my character then, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think you really like Rico. Okay. I. Uh, you end up getting uh, Maria, uh, who uh, uh, pilots a, a really cool giant robot. She in on combat on ground is just like a kid, so she doesn't have a lot of attacks and can't do much damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the robot, she's awesome. Uh, her robot's uh, crazy cool. Uh, you also have, uh, I believe her name is Esmeralda, who kind of ties into the, the backstories of Faye and Ellie. So I won't reveal much, but uh, it's kind of adorable in All a right. weird way. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of who else there is. Uh, so let's see. I'm oh, Billy at... Lee Black. Billy Lee Black. Is he, uh, is he the silver-haired kid with two pistols? And a ch- Yeah, he, so he's a priest who fights with the two pistols. He's real cool. All right. He's also got a depressing backstory, like I, most of the other characters. Yeah, I pulled up a, a fan art thing, so I'm assuming Faze is the ponytail. I know yeah. Satan, I know Rico, I know Choo Choo, and now I know, you say Billy Lee Black is his name? Billy, yeah, uh, I think it's Billy Lee Black is his full name. All right, and then there's Bart, and then Ellie, who's like the long, flowing red hair. Yep. And then there's, uh, I'm assuming is the, the young girl you mentioned has like green hair and a cape. Yes, that's Esmeralda. Okay, and then who's this other, uh, looks like a blonde lady, younger lady with uh, aviator goggles. Did you already mention her? Uh, is that probably Maria? Maybe. And uh, like a red dress? I think so, yeah, yeah. Aviator goggles, yep, she did have those. Okay, so I think that's all the characters, that's yep. all that's on this, this fan art here. Yeah, I believe those are all the, uh, uh, the, the main characters. Fair enough. Cool. And what is, uh, what is Groff's role in this game? I'm sorry. <clears throat> what is Groff, Emperor of Darkness, his role in the game? <laughs> Groff is uh, uh, a really sorry, interesting who? villain. Oh, excuse me. Groff, Emperor of Darkness, is a really interesting uh, uh, villain in this game. 
he is really obsessed with Faye. You don't really learn why until quite a bit later in the game, but he's involved in one of the sides of this war. He has uh, a lot of really weird powers. Like he's able to infuse his like dark energy into other people and then grant them more power. Uh, and so, yeah, he basically spends the game infatuated essentially with like Faye following around talking about how they're like, it's Faye's destiny to kill God. Mm-hmm. And Faye's not having it. Is there some kind of weird triangle between Faye, uh, Choo Choo, and Gruff, Emperor of Darkness? Uh, No, Choo Choo's just kind of its own weird thing. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But uh, Xander, do you happen to have any speedrun information on the game? Uh, That's not really my wheelhouse. Is it yours? It's definitely not my wheelhouse, but I pulled it up anyway so that I could feel like I was contributing something. (laughs) Uh, So we have, and there are, it looks like five different categories. Uh, There's any percent RTA. I have no idea what RTA means. Me neither. Uh, it says it starts at New Game, and when Zero Gears Episode 5, the end fully fades in. Uh, no load bug, no save and load required to remove load, no load bug. Turbo is forbidden, and any glitches go, I guess. Um, and that is held, there's only one person who's done it, Chukarita, uh from Canada, with 14 hours and two minutes. That's way faster than uh, me. I, I had started a record uh, uh, maybe a few months ago for Zeno Gears. Uh, you know, during quarantine time and stuff. And uh, I, I think 14 hours is where I got up to maybe about halfway through disc one. Gotcha. Uh, it looks like the most popular run, the one that has the most entries would, at seven, is uh, any percent, no major glitches. Um, and that's held by Connor Cordell for 17 hours, 48 minutes, and 23 seconds. Okay. But there's also apparently a save glitch, any percent run that has one person whose name is Krazar who beats the game. Do you want to take a guess with with the save glitch? I don't really know what the save glitch is, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe but knowing it, knowing that the, the other two runs are between fourteen and seventeen hours, what do you think? I don't know. Maybe uh uh I, I feel like if it involves a save point you can get to it pretty quick, but I'll 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 answer uh uh, uh a little more carefully. Uh, eight hours. Thirty one minutes. what yeah 31 minutes apparently i what i i don't know how it works but yeah 31 minutes and 27 seconds that's all right no that's interesting i don't uh don't know what any of those mean and that's why we probably shouldn't ever look up speed runs without glitch or chops here too it and look i could have gone online and i could have watched a speed run but i spent 30 minutes watching that story (laughs) thing which helped me in no way shape or form xander i tell you what i we might not be experts at speed running but we are experts at music we are pretty good at music we enjoy groff emperor of i'm sorry groff emperor of darkness and many other songs but uh, before we get into that, I'm going I'm to make you wait as we listen to a word from one of our partners. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family while feeling sick and scared. Now, imagine being in that same room but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals. But we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit tiltify.com slash mottchildren and play for the little victors. All right, tell me about this music. So this music was composed by just a little somebody named Yasunori Mitsuda. Ooh, no wonder I like it. Mitsuda 
Uh, I'm sure you already know. Worked on the other Zeno series games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Uh, and Mitsuda has, uh, or was, for this soundtrack, was inspired by many different genres, including kind of Celtic music. Uh, Mitsuda uh, really, in my book, knocked it out of the park with Xenogears. I think personally, Chrono Trigger is my favorite between the soundtracks. That's, you know, just subjectively. Right. But I think objectively, Xenogears might be his best soundtrack. Let's see. What else has he... Uh, Mario Party, 1998. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Graffiti Kingdom. Kid Icarus Uprising. Uh... Everything Mitsuda works on music-wise <laughs> is amazing. But I feel like Xenogears is... Well, here's the thing, and this is my theory, Zan. I was really just trying to see if there was like one other one that maybe just surprised us, but no, not really. I do my homework, Xander. Yeah, Don't I you know, worry. I know, I know. I just wanted to see if maybe there's one that spoke to me more than you. That could be. Uh, so my theory is this. Mitsuda went from the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. over to the PlayStation and finally had access to CD quality music. And this is Mitsuda's first project uh, all by himself for the PlayStation. Uh, he had previously worked on Tobol number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that this being Mitsuda's first chance to spread his wings, this is the purest form of a Yasunori Mitsuda soundtrack in my mm-hmm. book. Yeah. That's my theory anyway. Uh, but I'd like for everyone to uh, give a listen. So Xander, what do you have lined up for us first? So because you're way more familiar with the song, the songs and the context and everything, I, I let you just run the gamut. All of these picks are 100% Craig's, but we're going to take a listen to Emotions first. getting a real uh, Chrono Cross vibe, which makes sense because that was also his work. Yep, indeed. Uh, that uh, song, Emotions, is what made it into the game. Interestingly, uh, that was supposed to be a... Uh, the, so it's the world map music, mm-hmm. which, you know, stands yeah, for which reason. which sounds very much like the Chrono Cross world map theme. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, what's interesting, though, is it was there was supposed to be... Uh, a cutscene that used a song called Stars of Tears uh, that had lyrics. And that version of the song is basically that song, but with lyrics. Okay. Uh, so for any of our listeners who want to give that a listen, definitely search up uh, Stars of Tears. I played the one from the game uh, mm-hmm. that made it in the game. I thought that would be a little more apt. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, love the song. Super peaceful, kind of tranquil, and almost a hint of sadness to it. A little bit. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's jump over to the next song that you chose is uh, Night of Fire. What's this one all about? Night of Fire is a battle theme for when you're in the giant robots. I shouldn't be surprised that you picked a battle theme, but here we go. 
Got a little bit of a uh, Gundam Wing vibe in the middle of that one. Yeah, the the that weird like uh, computerized like talking in the background of that mm-hmm. song, I really enjoy. It's super weird. All right, so next up we have Flight. What's uh, where does this one take place in the game, Craig? Flight is a little bit later in the game. Uh, it's a little bit more of uh, an uplifting theme. It's you know, uh, let's give it a listen. I had to guess i would imagine this song plays not like recurringly but a couple times when something seems like the odds are stacked against you but you need to but you're you're feeling hope like you're like oh no we can do this yes that is that theme and i love that the music informs you of what it is what if the, I, it, what it reminded me of and so like like we mentioned before this uh yasunari mitsuda had done the soundtrack for chrono trigger and chrono cross uh, emotion sounded a lot like the world map this reminds me although um not exact it's like there's not like a i can hear this this song exactly mm-hmm. i i hear um hints of the um not necessarily the main theme but the theme in chrono trigger that plays like when uh they're in the future and they see what happens and they're like, no, this is awful. We have to do this. Like that, that yeah. really building, like it starts kind of like, oh, you hear the, the drums going, okay, it's, this is intense. And then it kind of like sweeps and it's like still kind of epic. And that's, the, that's when I was like, oh, this reminds me of that. So I'm assuming it's the similar kind of deal here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Neat. So uh, the next song, I can probably guess what this one is based on the title, but I want to see if I can do it again. Uh, So this is called One Who Bears Fangs at God. And this one is a lengthy one, so we'll probably play a little bit of it. Um, It's about six minutes long, according to the MP3 that I have here. Uh, So this might run a little bit longer than the minute to minute 15 that we normally play. But uh, let's let's take a listen and see if I can figure out where this might be played, even though by the title, I'm pretty sure I know. Here we go. Thank you. 
I'm not gonna lie, it stumped me. <laughs> it kind of creeped I, you out. I, I mean, I would say it creeped me out. I just I thought it was going to be like an epic final battle theme based on the uh, based on the title. It is played quite late in the game for sure, but no, it's it's more of uh, I wanted to to highlight some of Xenogear's kind of darker songs because there's songs like this songs like uh uh the one who is torn apart songs that are just really unsettling mm -hmm. uh and i feel like this there's certainly a, a certain beauty to this song for sure but there is a kind of an unsettling like the the chanting and stuff is is just kind of doesn't put you at ease right when i was expecting a battle theme i kept listening and, and i i was getting hints of uh from chrono cross miguel do you remember miguel chrono cross oh kind of yeah it's uh it's and this will be for a chrono cross episode later down the line because i definitely need to re-familiarize myself with the story but there's a point where you find out about the history of surge slash links and like some major catastrophe went down and he's kind of explaining the story to you while you have to fight him so i kind of i get the hint of like this is a character who's who's dropping some some major news on you. So this is like a, a huge kind of event that's like pretty heavy. Is that... Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, you you are pretty spot knew, on there. I knew his themes. I knew I could do it. <laughs> well done, Xander. By simply associating it with something else of his work that I'm familiar with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it worked. Cool. Well, you have anything else to uh, to touch on with Zeno Gears before we jump into our retro relapse? Xenogears well, is one of my favorite video games of all time. I love it. I adore it. It is kind of crazy and weird. Uh, I don't blame people for listening to us talk about this and going, that ain't for me. Right. Totally understand that. However, if you're a big fan of JRPGs and you're, you're, you're kind of into that anime influence, Mm-hmm. And if you Absolutely. like Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, and if you like Evangelion, which is on Netflix these days, uh, absolutely check out Xenogears. It's, it's a, a wonderful game. And if nothing else, there's giant robots. You can't go wrong with giant robots. It's true. Impossible. All right, well, let's jump into our retro relapse, shall we? Jones in for a classic game. It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. So even though he's not here, the glitch still chose a game for us. Uh, he did. He uh, uh, threw one out there that he wanted us to try. And uh, he chose 3D Battles of World Runner. Which, interestingly enough, on the cover of the North American uh, box, it just says 3D World Runner. So uh, it also... It also says free 3D glasses, and now everything about hitting select makes sense to me. Oh, I don't think I hit select. When you hit select, I thought that I was having a seizure. <laughs> everything went dark and blurry, and I was like, what is happening? I was like, why would this be in the game? Uh, and I kept thinking that it was like a hard mode or something, so I left it on for a while, and it gave me a bit of a headache, and I had mm. to switch back. Uh, but now that makes sense. So, did you know uh, that this was a Squaresoft game? When the game loaded up, I saw Square, and I was like, oh boy, pre-Final Fantasy Square, uh-oh. Do you know who designed the game? Who's that, Sandra? Hironobu Sakaguchi. What? Do you know who composed this game? No. You're almost there. No, no. <laughs> I mean, the music wasn't bad. It was yeah. a little repetitive because it's like the same theme throughout the entire game. Yeah, so this, uh, the core members of this went on to do the Final Fantasy series. That's pretty crazy. I, I also thought it was kind of crazy that I didn't hate the game the glitch chose. I didn't either. I was really It's actually confused. not bad. Uh, so if, um, for those of you who don't know, I do stream on Twitch pretty regularly nowadays um, in the afternoons, twitch.tv slash Zando Calrissian. Um, and I was, uh, when we were originally going to record a couple days ago, um, before we had some technical difficulties recording this episode, 
I was streaming that afternoon and I played this game at the end. So you can watch my, my raw reaction to it. If, if you do so, uh, do so one, I'll see if I can clip that and make it its own thing. But uh, I was really confused when I started it, but I kind of didn't want to stop playing it. Like, yeah, once it I kind of was... got the hang of it, I was like, oh, okay, I, I see where we're going here. It's, it's not, it's not a great game, but I, I, there was something about it that made me want to keep playing. Yeah, so uh, I, I would certainly say that this is, is not one of the all-time classics of the Nintendo, but I almost want to say that this might be a bit of a hidden gem. Yeah. It was uh, fun. Yeah, so it was uh, released in September, again, another September release, September of 1987. Happy birthday, Craig. <laughs> right. Yeah, it doesn't have a, a specific date, it just says September, so maybe it was... It could have been the uh, the 19th, who knows? And 1987, I wish I got 3D World Runner instead of a little a little sister. <laughs> so it says the the plot is that players assume the role of Jack the World Runner, a, a wild space cowboy on a mission to save various planets overrun by serpentine beasts. Uh, the game takes place on Solar System 517, and it is overrun by a race of aliens known as serpent beasts who are led by the evil Grax. As World Runner, the player must battle through eight planets to find and destroy Grax with fireballs. Oh, I got decently far. Eight worlds. I got to the, well, second world. That's not bad. Yeah, that's where I got, I got to the second world. And I felt like every time I, right as soon as I got a game over is when, I guess, it was Grax, like, showed up. It was like, you suck. And then, like, flew away. <laughs> yeah. I had a few game overs. Uh, when I first started, I had no clue what I was doing. I'm not gonna, uh, the fact that I know that there was like a 3D mode to this game makes me want to tr- find a pair of old like red and blue 3D glasses and give this game another shot. I uh, yeah, I I'm really interested. Uh, uh, where could you even find 3D glasses these days? Like old timey 80s ones. I'm sure they sell them. I mean, it, it's you probably can't like go to the the corner store and buy them, but I'm sure they're fairly cheap on eBay. Uh, well, let me see. Yeah, you, you uh, look that up. Uh, but uh, Xander, uh, we haven't talked about the gameplay of the game yet. No, so yeah, it's a uh, your character kind of stays in one place. It's like dead center of the screen almost, and uh, you just run. It's uh, I mean, world world runner is not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, you, just, you that's all you do. You run and you collect things, and then you jump over giant black gaps on the ground. And it's interesting because you you can kind of like slow yourself or speed up, and you have to speed up to to get enough uh, get up enough momentum to mm-hmm. be able to dive over some of those uh, cliffs. But what caught me, and it took me a bit to kind of get the hang of, is that sometimes you have to in midair slow yourself because you're going to land on a tiny platform in the middle and then keep going. Yeah, there's no way to know how long the gap is until you've already jumped. <laughs> so you just kind of really have to hope your reflexes are good to catch that. Uh, by the way, uh, old-timey 3D glasses, mm-hmm. uh, less than five bucks on eBay. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't doubt it. I'm sure there's probably on Amazon you can get like a five-pack for like six bucks or something. Yeah, probably. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's 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 red and cyan, like oh, clear plastic. It's, it's yeah. probably not a whole lot to it. But... Uh, yeah, so we both we both kind of enjoyed the game. I would definitely go back and try it again and see if I can kind of get the hang of it and keep going and see if I can make it to the end. Um, what would you uh, What would you give this on the old eight bit scale, there, Craig? I, I'm gonna be a little generous. Uh, I think I'm gonna go a six and a half out of eight. I wow. uh, I, I enjoyed it. I felt it was better than average, uh, and maybe I've just been tainted by all the horrible games the glitches had us play but like i was kind of excited to play i i actually played this game longer than i probably quote unquote should have like we mm-hmm. usually give a game about what you know 10 15 minutes i probably gave it about a half hour fair enough uh i mean you're more generous than i am i still don't think there was an like if it weren't for the fact that i like found out afterwards that it was by sakaguchi and uimatsu and all this uh you know video game royalty working on this game i don't know that i would be as uh amped to go back and and give it another shot i in one in my uh playthrough that i streamed um i was more confused than anything about it but uh i kind of liked it in the sense of like a mobile game like it's not great but it kind of there was something there that made me want to keep going 
Uh, but I'd probably give it, I, I mean, still a, a passing score. I'd probably give it a four to a four and a half. Just, I, I think six is, is awfully generous, but. You know what? We're not I, here to battle, battle your scores. I'm not going to tell you that you like something too much. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. It's on the 8-bit scale. In my head, I was rating it out of a 10. Nice. <laughs> so it's probably actually closer to like a 5.5. Fair enough. I, I, I was wondering why when you were like, wow, that's generous. I was like, slightly above average is generous? <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> sure, Xander. All right. Yeah, that's no, it's probably about these- a 5.5. We've been doing all these retro rewinds. We've forgotten the 8-bit scale. <laughs> I, you know what? I have brought shame to my family. How dare you, sir? All right. Well, um, we've wrapped up retro relapse. We've wrapped, wrapped up Xenogears. Let's talk about our stage theme bracket, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. We are getting fairly close to the end, and we've got two heavy hitters coming up here. Both great songs, both constantly stuck in my head. Uh, I don't know which one is going to prevail or which one I'm going to vote for yet. So let me tell you what we have, because you're completely in the dark here. Yeah, I uh, I don't have the answers just yet. So what is the first song up? You know, I'm just going to play it. Song number one. Here we go. sometimes known as Subcon. If you're, a, if you're a fan of the Smash Brothers series, you may know it better as Subcon. Uh, composed by Koji Kondo. Indeed. Uh, the original title of the game in Japan is, of course, uh, You May Know Kojo Doki Doki Paniku. Doki Doki Paniku. Uh, wonderful song. Uh, it's so fun and uplifting and one of my favorites. I, I love it. What, what can possibly compete with this, Sander? stop either of these songs but i have to i don't know what to pick (laughs) i know right oh god yeah from sonic the hedgehog one uh of course composed by masato nakamura uh starlight Starlight zone Zone. Mm -hmm. uh, starlight zone is so good yep and what i love both songs have a great like main melody but then they both have incredible bass tracks as well uh yeah there's both such like whereas Mario Brothers 2's main theme is a little bit more like kind of fun and kind of has like an upbeat thing going on Starlight Zone is kind of chill and laid back in a sense Mm -hmm. uh I I'm not gonna lie I I when when Mario 2 was picked in our our draft I thought this is a good song that's likely gonna go far Mm -hmm. when Starlight Zone was picked I thought I love this song. I don't think it's going to go that far. And it's going pretty far. I'm impressed. I, uh, I didn't realize so many people loved Starlight Zone. I'm happy. Yeah, I, this, is a, this is a tough call. I feel like if... 
I don't know, man, because they're both so good. I don't know which way I'm going to vote. Yeah, I, like I, I have no I want to say clue. Sonic, but then I am also like, no, man, because Mario. And I don't know. There, there have been a handful of Sonic and Mario choices in this uh, this bracket. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if it comes down to a Sonic and Mario. I don't know if that's a possibility, but that'd be man, interesting. That would be pretty rad. I uh, yeah, it, there's a part of me that that has more nostalgia for the theme of Mario too. Uh, but there's another part of me that realizes that like back when I was younger and just getting onto like Napster and Livewire. Uh, wait, LimeWire. LiveWire was a Mountain Dew. Yes. <laughs> LimeWire. I was on Napster, and I was I was drinking down all them LiveWires. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, back in the day, I remember getting a hold of that song and just, like, playing it on repeat for so long. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely excited to uh, hear how this will go. Uh, but uh, for our listeners uh, who might not be in the, uh, the know, there's four different ways for you to vote. Tell we us have, about them. Yeah, so we have Facebook. Been a little tricky lately, but uh, uh, our Legend of Retro uh, uh, group instead of page on Facebook is the way to get hold of that. So if we're still having trouble and you can't find it, make sure to track down that group instead. Uh, so Facebook, Twitter. Uh, what's the uh, uh, username for that Twitter account, Xander? For the Twitter account is Legend of Retro GZ. Indeed, for GameZilla. Uh, we also have our Discord. If you go to GameZillaMedia.com, you have a link there where you can join our Discord, get a vote, chat with us about uh, retro video games, as well as a ton of other subjects. Uh, and then, of course, there's also Patreon. If you are subscribed for as little as $1 per month, you have access to a vote, uh, as well as uh, the State of the Zilla show, which is uh, a monthly special that the GameZilla Media team puts out where uh, uh, random members of the team will have uh, discussed random subjects we don't normally uh, talk about on the uh, podcast. And a lot of those episodes have included me. So if you like my voice, by all means, track that down. Uh, But Xander, there's other things that our patrons can get for $5. What are those? For $5, you enter the world of bonus content from every show on the GameZilla Media Network. So you have the... Game Shark episodes from Legend of Retro. You have the uh, Smart Line from Noiseland Arcade. You have the post credit scene from Last Action Podcast. You have Muster Bus from the GameZilla show. And I think that's almost there. Oh, behind the DM screen, Noobs and Dragons. Indeed. Yeah. All for Can't forget uh, one of the other shows I'm on. Yeah. So tons uh, of bonus content for as little as $5 a month. Um, I don't know what that breaks down to per day, but I'm sure it's only like 20 cents a day. That's a ton of content. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of content. That is a bunch of stuff. Uh, and the best part is, is you have access to all the older content we've done. So it's not like you're just getting the, each individual month stuff, everything we've done, which has now been quite a few years. Mm-hmm. I, uh, guess, I guess realistically, because we're not putting out an episode every single day. We're putting, let's see, GameZilla has, uh, if it's a monthly show from each one, it's a, it's a dollar per show every month. Not too, not, not too bad, considering all the, the free content you get uh, just for listening. So, Absolutely. Anyway, if you're feeling so generous as to wanting to support us, uh, it helps us out a ton. It helps us make upgrades for the studio. It helps us get these, uh, these online recordings going so that we can do them throughout the, the quarantine and the stay-at-home orders, all those kind of fun things. Uh, it just helps us out immensely. So we appreciate those of you who are supporting through uh, Patreon. And even more so, we we appreciate those who are just listening and, and supporting us every week to give us the encouragement to keep going. Absolutely. Uh, it, it means a ton that you guys all listen to the uh, show. Uh, it definitely has made uh, my birthday this year uh, quite a bit of fun being able to record these episodes. Some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to jump back for just a minute. We're going to stop telling everybody how much we appreciate them because I pulled up the bracket. We are, we just finished the last round or the last matchup of round three. And we don't know any of the results yet because we record these a little bit ahead of time. But in the four matchups of round three, there are three Mario songs and two Sonic songs. So we could very well have a final of Mario and Sonic. That's epic. 
It's the yep. way retro battle should be. Yep. So it could either be Sonic 2, uh, Casino Night Zone, going up against either, either Super Mario Brothers 2 Overworld or Super Mario World Overworld. <laughs> or it could be Starlight Zone versus the original Super Mario Brothers theme. Man. I, uh... I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that does hope that uh, we, we have an epic Mario vs. Sonic match, much like the uh, the battles on the playground as a kid talking about uh, Nintendo versus Sega. Mm-hmm. The only outliers are Castlevania 2, Donkey Kong Country 2, and Bubble Bubble. All solid games, I know, though, right? This is, this is going to be a tough, uh, tough wrap-up to the season. It really will be. I'm. I some some of our seasons. I felt like, oh yeah, yeah, this thing's got it in the bag. Uh, but this one, I'm not so sure. I know, man. Good, good matchups. But uh, that's uh, that's it for the matchups. That's it for this episode. That's it for this week. Come back next time when it's no longer Craig's birthday month, oh. and we're still going to talk about one of his favorite games of all time. Yes. We'll spoil him. So, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. When the legend, legend.